are you in First Timothy chapter 4? I'm going to read the whole chapter in just a moment. Uh, as we've been looking on Sunday morning, we've been looking at the life of Joshua and Moses and how God called Joshua to step it up to another level of leadership. And then on Wednesday nights, we've been looking at First and Second Timothy and gleaning insight about Paul uh, telling his son in the faith, his true son in the faith. Really, it, both letters are step it up letters, uh, encouragement letters, letters to help him in ministry to rise to another level, to step it up. And our, our definition that you helped me kind of put together is step it up to advance, to increase the intensity of something, to rise to a new challenge to lift to another level. All those things there uh, are just uh, 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 supernaturally inspiring to me. You know, God wants us to advance, to increase the intensity of our spiritual effort and energy, to rise to the challenge, to lift to another level. So he's calling us to do the same. And so, uh, in fact, uh, we learned from 1 Timothy 1, 3, that he's writing this to his son in the faith who is undoubtedly going to take his responsibility of leadership because Paul knew his days were numbered. How many of you know we, we have a limited time on planet earth? We really do. And so we want to make the most of it. And tonight is kind of a, 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 a really something that kind of should ring true to us about the times and so on and so forth. Let me tell you the things we've talked about, and then we'll talk about uh, uh, another step it up uh, idea from this, these two letters. The first idea we drew from First and Second Timothy is this, as leaders. Now, let me just pause. All of us have leadership potential. All of us should be leading and influencing others. Uh, leadership is not a title. It's a lifestyle of influence. And sometimes it's not the person with the badge and the title that's making the most difference and being the most influential. Uh, and so, uh, so you need to understand that, that what God's looking for us to do. Here's the first thought. As leaders, it's time to step it up with our influence, involvement with those who God has placed in our lives. And, and, and it's a relational challenge to, to be a mentor and be mentored and and then the next one was, as leaders, we must step it up to a new level of spiritual warfare. When you look at these two letters, Paul uh, encourages Timothy right out of, the, out of the box. He said that you need to wage the good warfare. Everyone say good warfare. And you know, the good warfare is, what, is a battle that you will win, of course. Uh, and then he said, fight the good fight. And then at the end of Second Timothy, he says, uh, I fought a good fight. And so... We need to step it up and realize that spiritual, that warfare is not a battle. It is, life is the battle. We, 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 we're always warring in the spirit. And then part three last Wednesday night, step it up to a new level of, of in our leadership lifestyle. That's from first Timothy three was the foundational, uh, inside of that where what's it, what's what, when God takes a snapshot of what we need to be, what do we need to be? Uh, and uh, we, we saw some great insight from chapter 3. Now, tonight, everybody say, what about tonight, Pastor? Here it is. We're going to step it up to a new level of last day's ministry impact. Everyone say last days. Both First and Second Timothy, Paul references the end times and the last days. And people say, well, you know, Paul missed it by thousands of years. Uh, you know, a couple thousand years. So what have I got to worry about? How many of you realize that, that Paul understood from a biblical perspective 
that when Acts, the church in Acts was born, that's the beginning of the last days. Uh, how many of you know that in the last day, what did Joel say? In the last days, the prophet, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It was a reference to Pentecost. Pentecost happened in Acts chapter 2. The church, now catch this, the church was born for the last days. And so, so uh, Paul knew that and he's trying to uh, pass that insight and understanding on to Timothy uh, and, and get him to understand the time that we all live in, even today. And so with that in mind, I'm going to read the entire chapter. So follow along with me, First uh, Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly or explicitly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things about the things concerning the things that are going on in the last days and the deception and the lies and the deceiving spirits and the doctrines of demons. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister. Somebody say good minister. A good minister of Jesus Christ nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine which you've carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself Toward godliness, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for what? All things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given you by the prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And everybody said, amen. Now, let me just jump right in here around verse, oh, let's say verse six. He says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Everybody say good minister. Now, if you were here last Wednesday night, you learned that that word good, when we, when we talked about in chapter three, verse one, where he said, anyone desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. We realize that that word good means valuable and virtuous. Everyone say valuable and virtuous. And so once again, Paul is bringing to Timothy's, uh, uh, uh the forefront of his thought that you are valuable to God and what you have to offer is, is certainly something that the, the kingdom of God needs. And, and uh, if, you will, if you will instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And the context is about the latter days in the times of the church, really in times of what maybe you would call unstable times when the enemy is running rampant uh, across, uh, you know, the world deceiving and, 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 
and undermining the faith of many. Today, I got my hair cut. Can you tell? This gal has been uh, cutting my hair. In fact, I tried to get it last done last week before I left uh, so I wouldn't look shabby uh, in Dangerfield, but I look shabby in Dangerfield because uh, I couldn't get in in time. And uh, But my lady who cuts my hair, she's been cutting my hair for years. Uh, and when she first started cutting my hair, her and her husband were faithful members of the Rock Church down in uh and just doing great. And then they left that church, and I began to realize, you know, maybe there's something going on there. They kind of can't. And then they went to another church, and then they're starting to question other church, that church. And I'm really, they got issues. And then here about three or four or five months ago, I began, uh, I was sitting down with a haircut, and I realized, she told me her husband, it got, he lost his job. He got angry and lost his good job, and he can't find a decent job, and he's reverted to alcohol and it's just become ter- it's just been terrible and uh you know I saw on Facebook a few things where I could tell oh they're not doing good and so today when I got there how are you doing oh you know me uh and I tried not to be too preachy to her but I began to realize she's having a faith crisis she's questioning her, her relationship with Christ and, and, and whether God cares about her and whether or not all this stuff is true. And, and uh, you know what? That's a sign of the end of days. It's a sign of the times we're in. People are questioning their faith. Uh, and so it's important to us to step it up to another level of ministry impact in these days that we live in and become good ministers, valuable, virtuous ministers of Jesus Christ. Here's a little side note. You want to know a side note? I found something today that I, I, I'm going to go back and, and maybe do a message. This, this may be a book. You could write a book about this right here, uh, because there's at least 12 chapters here, uh, 11 different direct references in First and Second Timothy. Now, this is going to help us understand Paul, what he's trying to get across to Timothy when it comes to stepping it up. 11 uh, and then really 12 direct references to things which are valuable and virtuous. Let me just show that this is kind of a side note, but it also tells us that Paul is trying to get across to Timothy, man, this thing we're involved in, it is extremely valuable. It is extremely beneficial. And so here they are. Let me just, uh, the first one that he hits is a good conscience, a valuable, virtuous conscience. And then as we talked about waging the good warfare, and then many different times he talks about good works, same word, valuable, virtuous. And then he talks about good behavior and then a good report. And then being, as I mentioned here, a good minister and then the good doctrine and then the good pro- profession, uh, of our, and confession of our faith. And then he talks about the good foundation. Then he talks about being a good soldier. And then he's talking about fighting the good fight. How many of you believe Paul's trying to get a hold of Timothy and say, listen, this, this, this lifestyle of leadership and ministry and service in the kingdom, man, it's valuable. There's so many things that are just priceless that, that we have available to us and that we have to lift the lid, if you will, and raise the bar and, and step it up in our life because we are involved in a valuable, good ministry of Christ Jesus. And somebody say amen. Man, that'd be a good, good book, The Good Things of God from First Timothy. I have to figure up a creative uh, 
uh, title. Anyway, it, it just, uh, that could be a great uh, series there in itself, the good things uh, from, from, from the, the valuable things, according to the Apostle Paul. So that in mind, we're raising the bar, if you will. We're lifting, stepping it up to a new level of last day's ministry impact. Now, the word minister there really means servant-oriented ministry. It's the word diakoneo or diakonos, where we get the, the, the title of deacon, which if you go back to chapter 3, qualifications of deacons. Uh, and so uh, when he says uh, when you... Well, you, you will be a good minister, you'll be a good deacon, you'll be a good servant, you'll be a good leader, person of influence in the local church, okay? And so with that in mind, I'm going to give you seven things that I see from this chapter that are, if you will, qualifications, are, are things that a good minister uh would understand and have applying in his life. Are you with me? A good, everyone say a good minister. And that's what God wants us all. The first one is a good minister understands the times. Both chapter, pardon me, both books, chapter four in the first one, chapter three in the second one. He comes to Timothy. You need to understand the times we're in. We're in the latter times. There's deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons. And then he goes to chapter 3 and he says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times. Somebody say perilous times. They will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal. And I'm telling you, there's ISIS right there. Some of the most brutal things, of course, there's been brutal things throughout history. You think about, you know, the persecution of Christians, throwing them to the lines and all those things, brutal, okay? Uh, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its, its power from such people, turn away. And then he says, then he says, hey, at... Uh, for out of this sort are those who creep in households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And here he busts them. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. And so... Paul wants Timothy to understand the times. And as a good minister, you got to know what's going on. You got to be sensitive to the, to the spiritual atmosphere and the times. Now, not just chronology, but the seasons, what's going on. We are living in the last days. Somebody say, we're, say, this is the last days. In fact, John, uh, in first John, he called it the last hour. He said, little children, it is the what? Say it, last hour. When you think of all the prophetic time clock of God, the church, the age of the church is the last hour. It's the, uh, in fact, did you know the only thing that happens after the age of the church? Anybody know the next prophetic thing that happens after the age of the church is complete? Does anybody, what, what goes on? Well, the church dies out. What happens? Anybody know the next, next big prophetic event that'll happen at when the age of the church comes to an end? 
Well, depending on your theology, hey, the great tribulation, seven years of tribulation, that's the next big prophetic thing. And, and according to your theology, if you're a premillennialist, the rapture is the next thing. And then the, and then the seven year tribulation. If you're a mid-tribber, you get about halfway through three and a half years and then you're raptured out. And if you're just a hardcore post-millennialist, you believe the church is going to go through, uh, the tribulation, you're going to be raptured at the end of this, that there's only, one second coming. There's not the second coming and then the other coming at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. But I'm telling you, I said all that to say, we are the last shot this world has. This is God's plan A. There is no plan B. And so good ministers understand that. We're living in the last days. Those people, the, the, you know, and, and, well, I'm going to get distracted. So you just realize that and, 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 and realize if I'm going to be a good minister, I got to stay in tune with what's going on in the world. And I got to realize this is, this is the, this is God's last, this is his last hoorah for, uh, for, for planet earth. In fact, this was his plan all along. And we're, we have the joy of being a part of it. Some people talk, hey, wouldn't it be great to have lived in the Bible days? Um, depends. Ask, ask, the, you know, ask the church who ran for their lives. And got, I mean, I'm telling you, we're living in the age of grace. His unmerited favor. Amen. So, so as leaders, as a good minister, we've got to understand the times. And then number two out of 2 Timothy chapter 4 a good minister of Jesus Christ, a valuable and virtuous minister, uh, uh, and the, he, he remains stable in the midst of unstable times. And so both, both uh, instances, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and 2 Timothy chapter 3, describe global, if you will, instability in the world. And how there's an upheaval of religious and demonic uh, oppression and 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 and, and deception, and and, and it just gets worse and worse. Uh, and you and us and we have to remain. St- if we're going to be good ministers in these unstable times, we got to be stable in the midst of an unstable, unstable world. We can't let the instability of this world destabilize us. Our stability cannot be in the circumstances and the scenarios of this world. In fact, uh, 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 we, 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 we are not of this world, the Bible says. We are of His kingdom. And so, look, there's two good... There, I love these two passages that you see. What Paul does with his son in the faith... When once he tells him, uh, you know, of the trouble and the trauma uh, uh, that's that these last days bring, look in verse six. He says, uh, uh, "Instruct the brethren in these things. If you do, you'll be a good uh, minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine." Catch what he tells about Timothy, which you have carefully followed. Last week we talked about the lifestyle uh, of. Of, uh, of, of a good, uh, uh, leader, uh, in the church. And, and he was one who, who certainly, 
was attuned to the things of God and, and, and busy about the Father's business. But look what it says here. He said, Timothy, you carefully followed it. Uh, one, of the, one of the points last week was, was, had to do with uh, uh, really sticking, oh, vigilant. That was the word. They were V words. I, I got it. Vigilant and diligent. Uh, and so he says, you carefully followed the good doctrine. And in these last days, in order for us to remain stable in the midst of unstable times, we've got to carefully follow and build our life on the foundation of God's word. In fact, go over to 2 Timothy 3.10, after he talks about those first nine verses, about the instability, these perilous times, look what he says about his son in the faith. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, matter of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, on and on and on. And then he says, yeah, all of us who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus in these latter days, I'll throw that in, are going to suffer persecution. And so what's Paul telling Timothy here? Hey, hey, as a good minister of Jesus Christ in these last days, in these unstable times, you just got to remain stable. Don't let trouble trouble you. In fact, that's one of my little sayings. Trouble is not optional. Being troubled is. Trouble, instability in the world is not optional. Letting it trouble you is optional. We don't have to be troubled in troubling times. We don't have to be unstable uh, in unstable times. We can be. We can build our life, as Jesus said in Matthew 7, on the foundation of God's Word. Are you with me? Say amen. So a good minister, I thought about a good minister, a good deacon, a good servant in the house, a good teacher, a good helper, a virtuous, valuable teacher, someone who understands the times and realizes, man, this is the last hour. And they, even in the middle of unstable times, they remain stable like Timothy. Man, you carefully followed. You didn't miss a beat. Number three. A good minister of Jesus Christ in these last days instructs the brethren in the midst of unstable times. Let me tell you about a, there's a false narrative about the end of days. The end of days, and you, and people read a scripture, uh, and, and I think it references more, uh, probably the great tribulation than it does the, la- the age of the church, because in the age of the church, our responsibility is not to flee and hide. Are you with me? Our responsibility is, is to go and give and grow and, 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 and do all the things and for our ladies to glow and all the th- influence the world. Uh, and so he says to Timothy in the middle of all this instability, you got to instruct the brethren. The church has to hear what you have to say. In fact, Here's an interesting insight about this word. It says, instruct the brethren in these things. This is not just teaching like a class. We're having class 101 on end of days. This is not the word here. Uh, there is some of this involved, but this word means really to bring into remembrance. He said, Timothy, if you bring into remembrance and keep people remembering What's really going on in the world in these last days? If you will bring them to remembrance. Everyone say, bring them to remembrance. You know, one of the biggest tricks and traps of the enemy throughout the history of man has been 
uh, dope, alcohol, immorality. Those are all terrible. One of his most effective tools is somehow distract us to the point of forgetfulness. Though I'm reading between the lines, my little haircut lady, she's forgotten some things about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. Just because she had a bad rap, it doesn't mean God's not hadn't been good to her. Uh, she's got kids, grandkids. There's a bigger picture. But understand the enemy's greatest, one of his greatest tactics, especially in the last days, deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons. And, and I, I thought, man, this is going to be compounded in the last days. But then I got to realize the devil's been using this since the beginning of history. Uh, he used it in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> he got them to forget, uh, oh, Oh, uh, or, or not believe and be, and, and then the children of Israel, they just forgot the goodness of God. They kept forgetting. And then as we go into Joshua, you know, when they crossed over the, the river Jordan, jo- Joshua led them over the presence of God, led them over to the other side. What was the first thing God said? Get 12 guys, leaders from your, each of the 12 tribes, and you build 12 towers, stones, monuments of memory right here at this place so people do not forget what I did for them. He's, God's always trying to get the children of Israel to remember what he's done. Don't forget. Everybody say, don't forget. And so Paul's telling Timothy, and back to us as good ministers, we need to bring people into remembrance. Maybe you're ministering to somebody. Maybe you got somebody, uh, you know, we need to bring them into remembrance about the goodness of God and about where we are in these end of days and, and, and teaching them about the deceptive nature of Christ. So he says, uh, hey, you got to instruct the brethren. And just a side note, I love the residual effect. The residual effect... And I talked with uh, uh, um, uh, Bree about this a few moments ago before church started. The residual effect, when you share and you open your mouth and you become someone who, who keeps the word and the will and the ways and the times of God before the people and you realize you have a responsibility to share and to keep people on track in life, it, it has a residual effect uh, upon us. It says you'll be nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine. How many of you know when you share something, it has a way of coming back and blessing you? You know, when Sunday night I got to preach to to some preachers. I love preaching to preachers, uh, uh, and but I love preaching in other churches and just encouraging. I'm kind of an encouraging man, but what it does to me, it encourages me. I get so fired up, jazzed up, pumped up, uh, and it comes back and it blesses me and it and it helps me. Uh, and and even in preparing for this, as I saw that that good theme running through the man, it blessed me. I was encouraged in the words of faith and nourished in the words of faith, and so that's a residual. Of effect uh, of, of being a good minister who instructs, brings to remembrance. But then verse 11, look at what verse 11 of that chapter says, these things command and teach. Everyone say command and teach. Now he's talking about bodily exercise, uh, you know, spiritual exercise and it, you know, and, and being careful in these latter days and staying on track in these latter days. <coughs> but he tells Timothy, as a leader, you're going to have to step it up and you're going to have to start commanding some people about things. You're going to have to be authoritative. 
And then he says, you got to teach. That's, that's instruct. There's a more of a, you know, you gotta, you gotta teach, not just by example. He tells him that in verse 12. Uh, but hey, a good minister, a valuable, a virtuous minister in these last days as a, as a vital, valuable member of the body of Christ. We gotta step it up with our influence in others' lives. Instruct the brethren. Command them. Teach them. And everybody said amen. Number four, a good minister in these last days not only instructs the brethren in the midst of unstable times, but he maintains a strong eternal perspective in the midst of unstable times. It's kind of like number one, but uh, he, he, he understands eternity. He realizes that planet earth is terminal. Everyone say planet earth is terminal. As good ministers of Jesus Christ, we, we, hey, we're blessed in this life. We work hard. Uh, you know, God blesses us. This life is a, is, is good. We live, God is, everybody say God is good. You know, on our worst day, God is good. Uh, but this is not where, we're, this is not it. I mean, we have not arrived. And, and look what he tells him in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. He says, bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things. In other words, beyond just the physical realm. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Everyone say the life that now is. In other words, hey, godliness will help us in this life. The exercise of godliness will help us in this life, but it has a re, it has an eternal uh, uh, impact in our life. In fact, uh, 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 Bruce Wilkinson, the guy who wrote uh, Prayer of Jabez, all re, also wrote uh, the Life God Rewards, and I think the subtitle of that little booklet: "Why Everything on Earth uh, We Do uh, uh, Impacts Us or Something for All Eternity." In other words, the life we live here bleeds over into the other life, into eternal life. And so Paul is bringing Timothy to a place to the, he says, you're not just working for this life. You're not just serving for this, the here and now. This is an eternal thing that you and I need to understand that, hey, uh, it, the, the things we do have, yes, they have promise of this life, but they also have uh, promise for that life which is to come and then he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. In other words, you need to understand, man, we're living for eternity. And this life is terminal. Planet Earth is terminal. In fact, if you read other portions of Paul's uh, you know, letters to different churches, the Corinthians and others, Thessalonians, uh, man, when he starts talking about last days, he starts defining the destruction of, of the world as we know it. It's terminal. Somebody say, this world is terminal. It really is. And so he's, he's, he's instructing Paul, pardon me, Paul's instructing Timothy to keep his eyes on the greater prize. In fact, look in chapter six of this same, of, of, of first Timothy, verse 14. Look what he says. He said that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. What's he doing with Timothy right there? Man, the way you live this life, listen, you're going to stand before him one day. This is not all there is. We're living for eternity. We're living for heaven. 
And so you're going to, what's he doing? He's keeping him uh, attuned to, to a strong eternal perspective. And then when you get over to 2 Timothy, same kind of things. He's bringing him, he's, he's sharing eternal perspective with him. In 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. What's he telling Timothy here? He said, man, Jesus is coming back. Somebody say it. Jesus is coming back. Hey, everybody look. Everybody's got at least one person. You're close. Everybody look at somebody now and say, Jesus is coming back. It may not be in this life. Paul didn't know. He, he didn't know. We don't know. In fact, when you study scripture, nobody knows the day or the hour. People have tried to know the day or the hour. Years ago, there was a guy who wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back, 1988. Uh, and then he didn't come back in 88. And so he wrote 89 Reasons Why Jesus Didn't Come Back in 88. I don't know. He's making money. That's what he was doing. Uh, uh, but nobody knows. But Paul's telling Timothy, you've got to understand, Jesus is coming back. You've got to live your life. A good minister always lives uh, with, uh, with a strong, eternal perspective at life. Look how Paul ends out here with this, this thought here uh, in, in, uh, in verse 18 when he's closing out. He says, and the Lord will deliver me. He, he said the Lord has delivered me. But in verse 18, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul, how many of you know Paul had an eternal perspective? I'm telling you, you go back, is it, uh, is it Philippians where he said, you know, for, I'd rather go home, but, you know, for me to live as Christ, but to die is gain. You know, I'd like to go, but I think I should stay. Man, he was in a quandary. He was ready to go to heaven. He had a great eternal perspective. Uh, and so good ministers understand that. They live that way. Number five, a good minister of Jesus Christ in these last days stays spiritually fit in the midst of unstable times. We stay spiritually fit. This is kind of like uh, number uh, uh, two, but it... it it, it, he comes and he kind of infers that Timothy has got to really kick it up a notch. If you go back to first Timothy chapter four, he says, uh, uh, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable in all things. And then he says, uh, you know, you, uh, or verse seven, he says, exercise yourself toward godliness. In other words, stay spiritually fit. How many of you know exercise doesn't just accidentally happen? Let me tell you, on a personal level, while I was remodeling my house, I got down to 199. I'd lost probably 22 pounds uh, in that process, a little before, but I was down to 199. And now the the manual labor has has pretty much ceased. And I'm not going to tell you how much of that I gained back, but I'm I'm working my way back in the wrong direction. Uh, and so, staying spiritually fit doesn't just happen. Yeah, staying physically fit doesn't just happen, okay? And so in unstable times, more so than ever before, 
we've got to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We've got to stay spiritually fit. And if we had time, we could look down in verse 12 through 16 and identify some things that would be things that we might call spiritual exercises. Uh, exercise yourself to the point of godliness. Anybody remember the Greek word for exercise right here? I've shared it a couple of times. Uh, anybody remember and what it means? Oh man, I thought you'd never forget this. It's the Greek word gumnos. Everyone say something like G-U-M-N-O-S. Gum. Everybody say gumnos. It's where we get the word gymnasium. Okay. So now you get, oh yeah, gymnasium exercise. But it comes from, uh, even the early days of, of the, I guess the Roman, uh, uh, you know, athletes and all the beginnings of, of competition and races. The literal meaning of exercise yourself means to exercise naked. And how many of you know, how many of you know back in that day, y'all are getting a weird picture in your head here. Uh, and that day in, in Roman days, they, they exercised and competed almost sometimes actually naked because they did not want to be encumbered because they didn't have speedos and all the effective, you understand? All they had is this big, you know, bulky garb that they, and so in order to be an effective in their, in their event, they would basically exercise and, and compete naked. Now the picture is not just to be naked. And I exercise naked. To be, it's to be unencumbered by that which is unnecessary. In other words, in this world we live in, the bigger picture is there's a lot of things that encumber us and keep us from staying spiritually fit. And so Paul says, Timothy, unencumber yourself of anything that keeps you from, from staying spiritually fit in the midst of unstable times. You get the picture? Will you ever forget that word, exercise? Everybody say naked. Okay, all right, you got it. In fact, I want to punch the pause. I got to tell you a funny story. Sunday night I preached at uh, Dangerfield, and it's a country church. You got Pastor Randy's a woohoo. He plays the drum. Pastor plays the drum and shouts during church during worship. He's and I led him to the Lord back in 1975 or four, and he and. And laid hands on him, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's not really my son in the faith because that's all the that's all I did. Uh, so he's pretty, uh, you know, he's he's as old as I am, or maybe yeah, about the same age. I think we're the same age, uh, or pretty close. Well, so but it's a country church. Uh, he's an Aggie, uh, and so uh, this gal they did they did this uh, kind of like what we did did on Thanksgiving, but it was a little less organized. Uh, they would sing a song and then someone would get up and give a testimony uh, about the goodness of God in the church and how it made a difference in their life. Uh, this girl gets up who had moved away and she testifies, but the first thing she says after she shared a little bit about what God was doing in her life, how she got away from the Lord, how the church brought her back, and she said, I found myself butt naked before the Lord. No, she said naked. I was butt naked before the Lord. And I went, she just said butt naked from the, with the microphone. And uh, so then she said it again. 
in a little bit. And of course, people are, uh, everybody knows her. Her name is uh, Deb. They called her uh, uh, Wild Deb or something. I don't know. But Wild Deb had a great testimony. She's a country girl. Uh, and she, that was her way of telling you, man, she was just stripped bare before the Lord. She didn't have anything to cover her. It was just her. And so I got up to preach and I said, I'm feeling better tonight. I was a little insecure about what I was going to say. But if you can say butt naked twice from the podium in this church, I'm feeling okay about what I've got to say. <laughs> so we had a good time. Uh, so now we put it off pause. All right. So there you go. Uh, so good ministers of the gospel in these last days, their ministry impact is is personified and magnified when they have an understanding of the times, when they remain stable in the midst of unstable times, when they instruct the brethren in the midst of unstable times. And, and, and what, hey, it's not run and hide, it's go and tell. I think the seven-year tribulation, folks, if there's people around there, that might be run and hide time. But not, not in this day we live in, the age of the church, it's go and tell. Uh, and so, and then... And then number four, a good uh, minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ in these last days is one who maintains a strong eternal perspective in the midst of unstable times. And then number five, a good minister also in these unstable times stays, oh, stays, stays spiritually fit. And then number six, and here's one, uh, hey, they work hard in the midst of unstable times. Everybody say works hard. One of the most repeated good thing in First and Second Timothy was good works, and those works are labors. And so, look uh, at First Timothy four ten. That's the source of the beginning. For to this end, Paul tells Timothy, we both labor and suffer reproach. Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe these things command and teach. And so Paul's very clear with Timothy over and over in many different places. He talks about the good work and the work of the Lord and uh, all through these, uh, you know, he, and he talks about uh, Timothy. He says he's well, rep- or pardon me, he's well reported for good works. Um, and so, hey, the, he's, he's encouraging in the reality that it's hard work. That if you're going to be a good minister, it's, it's hard work. There's labor. And then 1 Timothy 5, 17, I love what he says here when he's closing out this letter. He says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while he treads out the grain and here's what Jesus said, the laborer is worthy of his wages. So he's kind of letting Timothy know it's hard work, but let me tell you something, God will reward you for your hard work. It's not easy. It, it's not everything is apple pie and Chevrolet. And then if you go over to 2 Timothy 2, uh, he, he starts uh, telling him about being a good soldier of Jesus Christ and not being engaged in the warfare. And then he starts expanding his illustration of what Timothy needs to be in the earth and in the world. He says, athletes, uh, any, uh, you know, and also if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And then chapter 6, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. 
What's he saying about Timothy? Man, hey, here, we're good soldiers. You got to be a good soldier. You're an athlete. You're competing and, and uh, you know, he's, these are illustrative insights. And then he says, uh, and then the hardworking farmer, the sower of seed, must be first to partake of the crops. He said, man, God will bless you. But it's hard work. Everybody say it's hard work. There's nothing easy about it. But the, boy, the rewards are eternal. Are you with me? In fact, the, Paul talked about the eternal reward of a, being a faithful servant. You understand that Jesus did as well. And so, so good, good ministers of Jesus Christ in these last days who have great ministry impact, they, they work hard in the midst of unstable times. And then number seven, drum roll, they trust God in the midst of unstable times. Their faith does not waver in the midst of unstable times. He warns him over and over in different places about those whose faith wavers in the, in this, in these last days. But he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.10, he says, uh, he says this about he and, he and him. He says, uh, you know what? Uh, uh, both of us, we're going to suffer reproach. In our labor, we're going to suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. In other words, in these last days, what keeps us on track, what keeps us moving forward is our unwavering faith. We trust God. In fact, the fact that we trust God, the living God, uh, is going to get us in trouble some. When we just say, no, I don't care what's going on, I trust God. The faithful steward, the faithful servant, the good uh, minister of Jesus Christ in the latter days, he refuses to be knocked off his faith. In fact, in 2 Timothy, what does Paul do? With Tim How does he begin this letter? You know what he does? He begins by commending Timothy for his genuine faith. I love this. He said, I thank God whom I serve, verse 3, chapter 1, 2 Timothy, who I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly de desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. And when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded that it is in you also. Man, he's, he's thrilled that Paul, that Timothy, his son in the faith, has not wavered in his faithful trust in God. And if you remember, Timothy very possibly was the, was at least a, a temporary pastoral influence in Ephesus at the time. Uh, and so he's commending him, uh, about his faith in the midst of uncertain times. Let me tell you something. Faith is not for when everything's going great. Faith should arise in the midst of uncertain, unstable, immoral, ungodly, last days times. And a good minister just keeps trusting God through the process. We're just a few weeks away from this very unusual election in the United States of America. I don't know if you watched the debates. I, I watched all I could take.
Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Just, hey, on a side note, just pretend I'm not your pastor right now. That whole mess has befuddled me. I'm telling you that. Now, I'm trusting God, but boy, I'm just going, how did we get here? I just, it's just so bizarre. Uh, and uh, if I would say, you have to look beyond the person. I'll just throw you this little bit of truth. And vote the platform. I'm just, that's the only choice we have. We don't have a choice between good, better, best in our, I mean, they all, both of them have very unusual personalities and some, and, you know, and I don't want to get into all that, but I'm just saying, you know, uh, I just, Donald Trump would have been my first pick of the 17 or 18 that were up there in the beginning, but he's, he's there. Okay. And you have to look at the platform. In fact, if you wanted to go to the uh, Franklin Graham Association, you might could uh, get them to quick send you a copy of uh, Decision Magazine, which uh, I got mine. It just talks about the two platforms and the two people, so on and so forth. Uh, but, uh, hey, we got to trust God. God's bigger than November 6th. Amen? And sometimes, according to Josh, from Sunday morning... God allows nations and peoples to be led by ungodly leaders or people who would not be our best choice so he can be glorified in even greater measure. Did I get it pretty close, Josh? All right. (laughs) In fact, I used Timothy, I I used uh, Paul before you came in. God said, I'm not taking away that thorn in the flesh. I'm going to, but I will tell you what I will do. My grace will be sufficient for you more than, that word sufficient doesn't mean just enough, it means more than enough. My grace will be more than enough uh, and it'll be raised like a banner of victory in your life in the middle of your weakness. I'll be made strong. I think God likes to show up in the middle of a mess and get the glory. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. And so tonight we need to step it up to another level in our last day's ministry influence and impact. We are good ministers, valuable ministers, virtuous ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not just sit here and soak in sour, not just, uh, you know, I just remember the church. I just remember the family of God. Hallelujah. I'm just here taking up my, you know, doing my fair share. Uh, no, we are ministers. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a minister. You're a minister. We're all ministers. In the middle of the last days. Are you with me? Let me see what time it is here. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm going to go through them again. From chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. A good minister of Jesus Christ understands the times... Remain stable in the midst of unstable times. Instructs the brethren in the midst of unstable times. Maintains a strong eternal perspective in the midst of unstable times. Stays spiritually fit in the midst of unstable times. Works hard in the midst. That's why you need to stay spiritually fit because you got to work hard. Works hard in the midst of unstable times. And number seven, trust God 
in the midst of unstable times. Well, there you go. And everybody love the Lord. Say amen.